As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. Father's Day killer Robert Farquharson could serve just 11 years jail for each of the three young sons he drowned in a Winchelsea dam. He's been given life in jail with a 33-year minimum, a sentence rejected by his shattered ex-wife.
Robert Farquharson hid his guilt, standing by grieving former wife Cindy Gambino as their three sons were buried. Jade 10, Tyler 7 and Bailey 2 drowned when Farquharson drove them into a dam near Winchelsea on Father's Day 2005. He claimed he'd had a coughing fit and blacked out, managing to save himself and not his children. But police were convinced it was a deliberate, hateful act. Their reconstructions backing their belief he'd driven off the road, veering around a tree to reach the dam. A jury agreed and in May 2007 found him guilty. Cindy Gambino, who had herself refused to believe Farquharson could kill his children, collapsed. Two years later, that verdict was quashed and the Gambino family endured a second trial. This time, Cindy Gambino was convinced of his guilt, giving evidence against Farquharson and denying she had desecrated the boy's grave to remove his name. A different judge and a different result. Life in jail with a 33-year minimum. His own family still claiming it's a travesty of justice. And we await the day that justice prevails and this brutally wronged father of three special boys walks free. They blame the media. This was an accident. Old friend Greg King says otherwise. He gave evidence that Farquharson revealed his payback plot months before the deaths, a memory that now haunts him. For the sake of the truth, my conscience, and for the sake of three very precious little boys that we knew and loved, I had no choice but to speak out. Justice Lazary told the packed courtroom that even after 38 years in law, the tragedy of this case still defied his imagination. Three young vulnerable children betrayed by their remorseless father and left to die terrifying deaths. For each boy's death, he was given a life sentence, but the 33-year non-parole term equates to 11 years per child. In her victim impact statement, Cindy Gambino told of her lifelong pain and how she sometimes slept by her son's grave. Cindy Gambino died last week as the result of a medical emergency at her home in country Victoria. She was just 50 years old. It's 17 years since Cindy's ex-husband murdered their three sons, 10-year-old Jay, 7-year-old Tyler and 3-year-old Bailey, by deliberately driving his car into a dam on the side of the Prince's Highway near Winchelsea, west of Geelong, on Father's Day in 2005. Journalist and author Megan Norris developed a close relationship with Cindy in the years after the boys' deaths as they worked on a book together. The book is called On Father's Day, and Megan was one of our first guests on Australian True Crime back in 2017. She joined us to talk about the extraordinary experience of writing that book. Megan witnessed the terrible process through which Cindy accepted the truth of Robert's guilt in the deaths of their children and the fact that he'd planned and executed their murders as an act of revenge and cruelty aimed at her. Megan Norris joined Emily Webb late last week to reflect on the news of Cindy's passing. It's, it's absolutely tragic. And I had a telephone call from Cindy's husband, Stephen, who called me to let me know. And I'm so glad he did because I would have been so shattered to have learned this by turning on the news or getting a text from someone. I had so much to do with her, worked so closely with her over such a long time. And things change, you know, people go through different stages when you first meet people like Cindy. When I very first met Cindy, it was one year after. It was just after the first trial and Farquharson had just been jailed for the first time and she did not believe 
this was a crime. She did not believe he had committed a crime. She couldn't bring herself to even acknowledge that his anger uh, toward her was so enormous, that latent anger, that he would be prepared to kill their own children, his own children, to punish her for leaving that unfulfilling marriage. So it was. she was in a very different place. It was a total denial. He didn't do it. He would never do such a terrible thing. Because what would that say about her judgment if she were to say, even open herself to that possibility? So she couldn't. When I next meet her, so when I did that story, she was in a very difficult place. She was grieving, but she was grieving with him. She was grieving with him as parents. They were grieving together. And she'd got a new relationship and a new child. He was one year old. I went there on the day of the new baby's one first birthday. He was one year old. And there were all around the house, there were remnants of a birthday party. There was birthday cake and balloons and stuff. And it was so tragic because she was mourning for three other little boys and had just gone through this court case. The next time I see her, he'd been let out of jail and she was absolutely furious and angry and upset. And I said, why are you so upset if you believe you've been fighting to clear his name? So if you believe that he didn't do it and you've been fighting to get him out of jail. Well, now he's out of jail. Why, why would you be resisting that? Why would you be upset by that development? Her concern was, I never imagined there would be another trial. So she'd got to do the whole thing again. She thought he'd be let out, he'd be cleared and he'd live his life. He wasn't. He was let out on a technicality, but the judge ordered a retrial. So the trial was on again. So she'd got to go through the whole ordeal. By the time that case came to the courts the second time for the second trial in the interim, a witness had come forward that had not come forward during the first trial with new information. This woman, she was the last person to see those boys alive. She was the last person to see them alive. And she had been on the road, on that long dark road, going back toward Winchelsea on the night that this happened. And she had seen this guy in front of her, pausing, hesitating, pausing and breaking, revving up again, pausing and breaking. And when she took, overtook him, she thought he was going to cause an accident. He didn't even see her. His face was transfixed on, fixed on the other side, the right-hand side of the road. He was looking for something. She thought he was looking for a driveway to a farmhouse, but he was looking for the dam. So she was undergoing cancer treatment at the time, was very ill, and they'd already arrested him. So she didn't think she could add anything. But when he came out of jail and there was to be a new trial, she felt that her information, and she was better now, her information was crucial because she saw him and she knew that this was no accident. So that witness statement, that new evidence changed Cindy completely. Not only was she furious that she'd allowed herself to believe his story, she was furious with herself. She was guilty for having supported him. She was guilty for having believed him. And the whole time, it occurred to her the whole time he had done this and he'd done this to punish her. A lot of us can remember the images of, you know, Cindy so distraught at the funerals of Jai, Tyler and Bailey, and they were 10, 7 and 2 years old when they were murdered by their father. And, Megan, I remember going to the launch of your book on Father's Day. She wrote wrote a book, Cindy Wanted Her Story Told, and you wrote that story. I remember at the launch of that book you had some very powerful speakers launching that book. You had Debbie Kirkwood who has done um, studies into family homicides and Steve Fontana 
who you know very well, and he was involved in the case, and also a man called Danny Blay, who was then involved in the group Men Say No to Violence. But at that launch, it was really one of the first times I'd heard so strongly people talk about this as being the ultimate form of family violence. Danny Blay actually offered to MC that um, launch for me. And I was so grateful to him because it was so good that to have someone coming from the other side, coming from a men's perspective. And basically, we all were in agreement. When I wrote the book, I, I, Debbie agreed to do the foreword for me because she was studying that subject. And I, she, obviously, she's not going to put her name to something she's not read. So we sent the manuscript to her to read. And she said, wow, you've got such a handle on this crime because people mistake the motivation. They'll, people will say, how would a father possibly kill his own flesh and blood unless he was unstable, unless he was mentally ill? Why would someone in their right mind kill their own children? Because their hatred for their former partner or the children's mother is greater than the love they have for the children. And the children are not the target. People mistake that still. I still see it in newspapers. They mistake it. The children are not the target. Uh, the, the children are the collateral damage. The target is the woman. And it's not enough. You know, these are not the guys who will shoot her in the head on the family court or stab her to death in the kitchen. These are not the guys that do that. That's too easy. So it becomes a case of, look what that bitch did to me. I want her to suffer. And death's too easy. She's got to live it. Robert went beyond all of that. This was classic revenge killing. And it is the ultimate act of domestic violence. It's the ultimate act of physical violence a man can inflict on a woman. You, you know, I talked to a criminologist who had been a former policewoman and probation officer, and she'd been the parole officer for a number of very high-profile dangerous criminals, rapists and murderers. And she said she would ask women, what would you rather have? And they would say, I'd rather have acid thrown in my face. I'd rather be burned alive. I'd rather be stabbed to the point of death. I'd rather be killed myself, basically. What's the worst thing that could possibly happen? Having your children killed and taken from you in a horrible, violent death. That was it with everybody. And so we approached it on that basis. I approached the book on that basis. The way I wrote that book was so that people would understand the intention of the crime is to inflict a lifelong, enduring suffering that lasts until the day you die. It isn't about just destroying what you have now, destroying you now today. The crime does do that. It is about robbing you of any potential happiness in the future. So you may recover. You may meet another man. You may form another relationship. You may have other children, but it's always going to be overshadowed with the suffering and the guilt, there's the guilt. You know, what could I have done? Mm. What, why didn't I see this coming? That's the big thing with women. Why didn't I see this coming? Why didn't I, how could I have slept beside that man for eight years and not know that he was capable of such an awful thing? Why, what did I miss? Where were the red flags that I missed? And often they didn't. A lot of these women, I spoke to eight or nine different women who'd lost their children to revenge killings by their former partners. And they did see the flags and they did wave those flags and they told police and doctors and social workers and courts and still those children died and they were murdered by their father. So it robs you of any future hope. And in Cindy's case, because I knew her for so long and because I 
followed the court cases for eight years and they went to appeal and then he'd lose and then there'd be another appeal. And, you know, I did that for years. Basically, his suffering didn't end with the crime itself. He then used the system to punish her again and again and again. So one of the things was in the second trial, first trial, she believed him. So the defense didn't call her as a witness because she accepted his story. The second trial, she no longer believed him. And so they called her as a witness in the second trial. And you know what was sad was they victimized her by using all the footage, all the stories she'd done with me. I hated it. They, the story that she did with me, the original story, when she was clearly in denial, they waved that in her face. They used that story against her to say, but look at you. You're supporting him. You're here, pictured here holding hands with his sister. Sisters in a campaign to clear his name. And now you're here today saying he did it, mm. that you know he did it. You know, it, 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 you've turned on him, haven't you? So what he did, though, during that evidence, which was really interesting, he sat quietly in the dock impassive quietly enjoying it not only had he forced her to live through that anguish and you've got to remember she wasn't just delivered the news by a police officer he crawled out of the damn dripping wet where his kids minutes before had just drowned stood on the side of the road and hitched a lift back into Winchelsea because he wanted to tell her himself now what was that about he wanted to see the horror that the suffering that that crime had caused in person for himself. He didn't want someone else to deliver that news. He wanted to be the bearer of that terrible news. And the same in the court. She's then forced to relive that suffering in its awful, gory, terrible detail all over again to a courtroom full of strangers while he sat quietly back listening to the extent of the suffering that he had caused. She was clearly on medication. She, she had to be on medication just to get herself in there. Mm. And that used against her. Oh, are you affected by anything today? Are you affected? Well, of course she was. That's the only way she could actually give that evidence. And she'd got a one-year-old that was about to have a birthday while she was giving evidence. You know, this whole, this whole suffering went on and he got to watch it over and over. He got to watch her collapsing in tears after giving her evidence. He got to watch her again at the appeal. And again at the next appeal. And on and on it went. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. 
If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And Megan, you, you've kept in contact with Cindy and Stephen over the years. And there, there's been some reports of her death in the news. Mm, I've seen them. Um, but I know you've been up close and personal to see what's happened to Cindy over the years. And she's got two other children. She had two sons with Stephen. Isaiah and Hezekiah. And Hezekiah's the older one who was born in, in the aftermath of all of this. And Isaiah was born just before Robert was released from jail the first time for a retrial. I said to Stephen the other day, how does she look tonight? He said, well, we've lost her. You know, she, she's, she's not going to survive. And he said she, he thought she looked peaceful. I said, when was the last time your eyes saw Cindy peaceful? I haven't seen Cindy for a few years because I moved to live in Queensland. So, you know, but I've kept in touch. And from time to time, they would call me and I would call her. We've kept in touch. But I said, I've not seen her at peace since the day I met her. I fleetingly saw happiness with the second baby, very, very fleetingly. And then she got that news from the courts that Robert had been released and was going to go on trial. So that didn't last. And then I, I, I went to their wedding and she was happy that day. And the police were there that had been involved in the investigation I went down with my husband and I was genuinely happy for her. And she, with the photos are beautiful. And it's the only time I saw her truly happy on that day. It didn't last. She couldn't maintain any kind of joy in her life. And I remember thinking that you, that's because he didn't intend her to. She couldn't find it. I asked you this before we started recording, but we were talking about this when you told me about Cindy. And I just wanted to read you a little bit from a text message you sent me because it, it was very powerful. And I knew how upset you were about Cindy's death and and speaking with Stephen and how awful it is for oh, terrible. he and the family. So you said, I believe she died of a broken heart. That bastard smashed it to pieces years ago and dragged her in and out of courts to watch her suffer at close quarters. And then you said, I learned more about the true impact of revenge murders from my journey with Cindy than I could ever have imagined. Well, in Cindy's case, as she lost three children, she tried to find happiness. She looked for it. She wanted it. She wanted it. But it eluded her. It, it did. It was elusive. It was something that she could never really find in anything for long. I'm not saying she didn't have happy times. She did have happy times. They didn't last because the grief was eating away from the inside. And I would see that when I saw her, she looked older. She looked tired. She looked, she looked tired. She looked worn out with this world, I thought. But she, she struggled. And, and her family struggled. You know, her kids affected her young children. It affected Stephen's children from his previous relationship who were, who were the same age as Cindy's children when they died. So you've got two blended families with boys all the same age. Cindy loses her three. Still, Stephen's still got his children. As the journey moved forward, I saw little healing, if any. I just didn't. I would like to say, I would love to say I did. There were times. But Stephen's journey was so hard to, to support this woman he loved. And he did, you know. And he, he stay, he's, he's a stayer. And he worked with her. He supported her through 
treatment, therapy. He was mum and dad to the kids because he had to be because she couldn't function. Some days she could not function. And so, he, you know, his journey was a nightmare. And I thought this, this crime is like a stone in a pond. It affected her parents. It affected Stephen more than anyone. It affected the children that weren't born yet. It was so hard for all the family. And the family grew tired of her pain. Some of the family grew tired. People in the community grew tired of seeing her. It, she became a reminder of everything that had happened. And people couldn't bear it. They couldn't bear it anymore. And she had to. And she had to. And I said to her once, why don't you move away? Tiny little community, Winchelsea. Why don't you move away and start fresh somewhere else? Take the kids, pack up and get the heck out of Dodge. Go somewhere else. And she said, no, oh, no, I could never. I could never leave my boys. They're, they're here. Mm. And, the, and she said, no, you know, the children she subsequently had went to the same primary school. They went past the football club where the boys' friends were now adults playing for the adult team the memories that she had and lost remained in Winchelsea her heart was in Winchelsea she was never going to leave Winchelsea and yet it was killing her to stay she felt she needed to be there because that's where her memories were of her good times and she'd show me pictures sometimes that was me when I met Stephen before I was like this she would say that before I was like this mm. I said no before he did this to you it was like watching someone slowly disintegrate she was trying to numb the pain with medication and alcohol. I wrote that in the book. She was mm. trying to numb the pain. No amount of alcohol and no amount of medication was ever going to mend that broken heart. And that was one of the first things I thought when I heard that, that, that this had happened. I said to Stephen, I'll bet she's died of a broken heart because he smashed that into a million little pieces in 2005 and you could never put it back together. All I know, and I said to him, I know this is not much comfort to you, Stephen, but She's with her children now, and for the first time since 2005, I bet she's at peace. You know, I bet she has found peace. How would you live with that pain? I think it's a hideous journey. I think mm -hmm. it's a forever journey. It's a journey that lasts till the day you die, and it's supposed to. It's inflicted to make you suffer till you, the day you die. And I think uh, I'm really sad about Cindy, but at least she is. At least she is at peace now and she's reunited with her children and she's at peace. And I, I, that's all I can say. It's a, been a heart, heartbreaking journey to watch and it breaks my heart. He destroyed us so slowly, little tiny bit at a time. It's like bleeding to death through the tiniest little cut in your skin that no one can see, slowly bleeding to death. And it was like watching her slowly implode, really. And I just think my heart goes out to her children, to Stephen's children, to her mum and dad, and to Stephen, mostly. You know, he stood by her and he loved her and he did everything he could. But nothing could ever fix the damage that was done, I think. Nothing. And the worst of it is, I keep on seeing it. I think she should be remembered for her courage. I noticed the family described her as a warrior. Well, she was. Anyone that can keep going all these years after that, they are warriors. They're not victims. She wouldn't like you to call her a victim of a crime. She actually didn't like that tag and I didn't like it. And I don't like it. And I always call people survivors because they are survivors. But she was courageous. She was brave. She was down to earth, no nonsense. She wasn't fought by people's rubbish. 
you know, she wasn't fooled by any of that. And I think she valued friends. She valued the people who did stick by her because a lot of people didn't. And she valued the new people that came into her life because they came into her life at a time where it was wrecked and she was wrecked. And so she valued those friendships. And she was so kind. She was just so kind. She'd ring me from time to time for no reason, just to tell me what she was doing and to see what I was doing. I think she was a generous, kind woman. And she loved her kids. And she never got over the loss of the three she loved and lost. So I think she should be remembered for her courage. I feel so sad. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane, and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio, or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. 
If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so you know we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.